Well, brothers, it is a joy uh, to be able to speak on friendship. Uh, it's a topic that we all need to, uh, to, to think and meditate on. Um, I want to thank uh, Ed Moore for the gracious opportunity to talk about friendship and just say publicly thank you for being a friend, right? Um, uh, you have traveled down that road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. And if you threw a party and invited everyone you knew, you would see the greatest gift would be for me with a card attached saying, thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for friendship. We thank you so much that you have become friends with us through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. We thank you so much for uh, these brothers and sisters who are gathered here today. We pray that the words that are spoken would fall on fertile hearts. Lord, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase. I pray, O oh God, that you would use this to help us be better friends with you and better be better friends with one another so that we would continue to give you glory with our lives. So, Father, we pray that you would use this word for our good and ultimately for your glory's sake. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you have friends? It's a simple question, but often it's a hard one to answer for pastors. It's not hard because we don't know the answer. It's hard often because we don't want to admit the answer we know. I recently stood in a room of pastors much like this and just asked a simple question, do you have friends? Only half of those in the room raised their hands. On March 2nd, 2019, comedian John Mulvaney stood in his opening monologue in Saturday Night Live and said these words, it is hard to make friends when you're an adult. I think that's the greatest miracle of Jesus. He has 12 best friends in his 30s, and they, and they weren't his wife's best friend's husbands. It's hard to make friends when you're an adult, and it may be especially hard to make friends when you're a pastor. Brothers, it may be hard, but we need friends. Uh, J.C. Ryle once wrote, A friend is one of the greatest blessings on earth. Tell me not of money, affection is better than gold, sympathy is better than lands. He is the poor man who has no friends. The world is full of sorrow because it is full of sin. It is a dark place, it is a lonely place, it is a disappointing place. The brightest sunbeam in it is a friend. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. A real friend is scarce and rare. There may be many who will eat and drink and laugh with us in the sunshine of prosperity, there are few who will stand by us in the days of darkness, few who love us when we are sick, helpless, and poor, and few, above all, who will care for our souls. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. On July 8, 2020, someone came with me with a credible allegation of child abuse against one of my elders. On July 9th, I stood before my church family and told them in person, and then I had to share it again on Zoom during 2020. I sat in my office at 8.30 at night and just wept uncontrollably. On July 10th, I sat before a friend, Stephen Watson, who drove two hours away just to have lunch with me. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. July 1st, 2012, I preached my first sermon at Park Baptist Church as a senior pastor 
Coach Pick, my mentor and friend who led me to the Lord when I was 16, drove 12 hours from Chicago to sit in the pew and just encourage me. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. My early 20s, I was battling sin and finally could not take it anymore, so I wrote out a confession, slid it under my roommate's doors, and waited for the morning. I woke up to my friend looking at me with these words. Sometimes when we are at our worst, we can experience God's grace the most. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. I started my PhD in October 2014. I defended and passed my dissertation October 2021, barely under the seven-year mark. I walked out of the building and told my wife, my best friend, that I passed. I finished this journey and wept with joy and relief. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. Brothers, I want to commit to you today that friendship is one of the greatest blessings and gifts God gives to us on earth. It truly halves our troubles and it makes them bearable. It makes life not seem so hard. It also truly doubles our joy. It makes good days great days. And my prayer for you today is very simple, that you would see friendship as one of the greatest blessings in your life, and you would pursue it as one of your greatest needs as a pastor. Friendship will sustain you in the ups and downs of ministry. It will indeed half your troubles and double your joys as a pastor, but it will also bless your soul. Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. And biblical friendship, I believe, helps us experience life to the fullest. We're going to walk through this with several ideas. The first is the cosmic friendship with God. The cosmic friendship with God. As we begin to look at how to make and maintain friendships, I I want to ground the story in God's cosmic story of redemption. One pastor notes, the entire history of redemption, in a sense, is a giant cosmic act of friendship. Brothers, if you are in Christ, you are friends with God. The foundation of all friendship is the picture of the true friend, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. On the night before his crucifixion, Jesus wanted to communicate his love for his disciples, his love for his friends. And he he says these words in in John 15. So if you have your copy of God's word, you can uh, turn there. We will not be in this long, but we, we will come back to this repeatedly. So John 15, beginning in verse 12. God's word says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I have for my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. The foundation of all friendship is love. Greater love has no one than this, that someone should lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus Christ has laid down his life for his friends. Brothers and sisters, we can be good friends because we have become friends with God. 
our greatest problem of sin and death has been met by our friend, Jesus Christ. He took our sin. He took our shame. He did not forsake us. He died for us. He knows our frame. He knows that we are but dust. He knows everything about us. He knows every sinful thought, every shameful action. He knew that in a few moments, Peter, who was sitting around that that table, was going to deny him. He knows that you have and when you will deny him. And yet you do not have to fear losing him as a friend. Because he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. His friendship is rooted in his covenantal promises to you. And he has said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Friends, Jesus Christ is the perfect friend. If you want to learn how to make and maintain good friendships, we must be a good friend with Jesus Christ. Brothers, I do not know what is going on with your soul today, but Jesus does. He wants you to come to him. In the cross, there was a change in our relationship with Jesus. He no longer primarily calls us servants, but friends. He is not ashamed to call us brothers. Brothers, Jesus laid down his life for you. And God raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God. His resurrection is the hope of our resurrection. And he said the spirit now is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. He has given you the spirit so that we might have the mind of Christ. Jesus has given us himself. Listen to how John Owen puts it. He then communicates his mind unto his saints, and them only his mind, the counsel of his love, the thoughts of his heart, the purposes of his bosom, for our eternal good. There is not anything in the heart of Christ wherein these his friends are concerned that he does not reveal to them. All his love his goodwill, the secrets of his covenant, the paths of obedience, the mystery of faith is told them. Jesus loves us as friends. He's the foundation of all true and biblical friendships. And all friendship that we have in this life is really meant to point us to that greater and best friend, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for us. I do not want to make my exhortation today to make and maintain friendships to to be rooted in the power of your own flesh and the power of your own ability but in the love of Christ for you I ultimately want you to have deep friendships because I want you to have a deep friendship with the Lord Jesus true friends will help you love Jesus as your truest friend and Jesus will help you be a true friend which will help you point Jesus to others as their truest friend this is the cycle that we want in our friendship so with that foundation let us look at this idea of friendship and what it means the characteristics of it before we look at its challenges and comforts number two the characteristics of friendship do you have friends to answer that it would be wise for us to know what a friend is we use friend to to describe many people in our life and Most of the time when we use the word friend, we really mean more using the word of acquaintance. The common use of the word diminishes its value, much like the word love in our society diminishes what true biblical love is. In Made for Friendship, Drew Hunter, a wonderful book I would commend to you, defines friendship this way. Friendship is an affectionate bond forged between two people as they journey through life with openness and trust. 
So let me just kind of give you maybe some essential ingredients that kind of make up a true friendship. Now, the first, mutual love and affection. Mutual love and affection. Jesus begins his brief teaching on friendship with, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. A friendship must be built on a mutual love for one another. Now, we see this love with Jonathan and David, one of the, the great biblical ideas of friendship. In 1 Samuel 18, we read these words. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David. His armor and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Did you hear that refrain? He loved him as his own soul. Jonathan humbled himself and gave up his, his, his robe, his armor, his sword, and his belt, even though he was the one most to be threatened by David, most to be threatened by David, David's success. Jonathan showed no jealousy, but he laid down his claim on the throne as the son of the king because he loved David. And when Jonathan died, David said in 2 Samuel 1.26, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extravagant, surpassing the love of women. David remembered Jonathan showing kindness to Mephibosheth, allowing him to eat at the king's table. Friendship is built on this mutual love and affection for each other. You know, this past year, I lost one of my dearest friends, uh, Max Phillips. Uh, Max Phillips was 99 when he passed. Uh, sharp as attack until the end. Uh, I came to pastor of Park Baptist Church in 2012, uh, and when you're, the average age was 70, and Max was one of our most faithful members at 90. Um, we had uh, breakfast together once a month for 10 years. Um, a dear, dear brother. I did not realize how much he meant to me until he was gone. Even now. It's been almost over a year now since he's been passed, and he's 99. He should have died, right? <laughs> But we have this deep mutual love and affection for each other. It sustained me much during those early years of ministry. Number two, an ingredient of true friendship is transparency and vulnerability. Transparency and vulnerability. Real friends must be honest with each other. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus revealed himself to his friends. Brothers, if you want true friendship, you have to reveal yourself to others. You have to be transparent and, and vulnerable with the things of the soul. You know, human, human beings have been wanting to hide since the garden. We hide because we are ashamed. We don't want to be seen as we really are. You know, I know this, the, the times in my life when I have revealed my shame and my sins to others. When I have come out of the darkness, I have experienced true fellowship and grace. 1 John 1 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We often do not have true fellowship because we do not walk in the light with others. Listen, 
Friends, I don't know where you are with the Lord, but Satan wants you in the darkness. He wants to keep you in the darkness. He wants you to fear the light. He wants you to fear revealing your struggle with others. But the light is where you have fellowship with God and with one another. And where your sin and your shame can be cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus. You know, every Wednesday morning, uh, I walk with one of my friends and we share, we share our sin. We, sh- we share our shame with each other. But we also share our sanctification, what God is doing in our lives. And I don't know where I would be if it wasn't those for those walks every Wednesday morning, shoulder to shoulder, sharing our lives together. Number three, candor. Number three, candor. A true friend speaks the truth even when it hurts. Puritan Thomas Goodwin said, Simplicity and plain heartedness is the truest and rarest jewel of friendship. Uh, a, a friend recently texted me. This was um, uh, Friday. She says, In love, I'm concerned for you. I think your schedule of late has been too much. I know you can handle it, but I just want to protect you. I just want to protect you in every way and don't give the enemy a chance to sneak into the body and how they view you all, view you. That's all. I don't doubt your heart for them at all, and they don't, and I know they don't. Just loving those I love and wanting to protect. The Lord is using you, and we all rejoice incredibly at that fact. And then he quotes the Lord of the Rings. I made a promise, Mr. Frodo, I promise. Don't you leave him, Samwise Ganji, and I don't mean to. That's a true friend, Proverbs 27. Better is open buke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Because I know this brother loves me, I'm going to accept those words as love. I'm not going to be angry or upset that he says, I'm concerned for you and your schedule. Friends, we want to regularly affirm and honor our friends, but a wisely timed critique is crucial for deep friendship. We should regularly invite people into our lives to speak to us. Do you have anyone in your life that you have given free reign over your soul? If you said, hey, you have the freedom to speak to me if you think that I'm not caring for my wife well, if I'm not caring for my kids, if, I'm, if I'm, you think I'm slacking in my ministerial responsibilities, do they have the freedom to speak to you? It could be another elder. It could be a member of your church. I pray at least is your wife. Number four, empathy. We want to learn how our friends, who our friends are and what our friends Need a true friend knows the emotional needs uh, in an, can, can, can meet those emotional needs in an appropriate way. So Proverbs twenty five twenty, whoever sings a song to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day, and like vinegar on soda. Uh, Drew Hunter writes this: empathy shapes the whole tone of a relationship. Without it, we trade honoring friends for one upping them. We trade affirmation for sarcasm. We trade talking with for talking at. We trade listening to sorrows for changing the subject. Consideration serves as the primary way that we bear our friends' burdens. An empathetic presence lightens our friends' loads. Friends, we must empathize with one another. Or as in the words of Scripture, we must work to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Next, loyalty and trust. Loyalty and trust. All friendship is built on trust. You know how important trust is, especially if you have had trust broken. Either you have broken somebody else's trust or someone's trust has been broken with you. 
It cracks the foundation of friendship. Many friendships have ended with the whispers of a friend. I remember calling one friend and telling him, my schedule changed, and I'm sorry, brother, I'm not going to be able to pick you up like, like we had planned. Something came up. I hung up the phone, but then he called me right back. And you know, this often happens. Someone calls you right back, and you're thinking, okay, maybe he wants to tell me something else. He forgot to tell me something. I pick up the phone, and he proceeded to slander me for 45 seconds before I interrupted him and said, hey, I think you called the wrong person. This is Dave. Let's just say that friendship didn't last. Now, trust can be restored with honesty and transparency and the grace from the Holy Spirit. God commands us to forgive as we have been forgiven. Friendship is built on covenantal promises. We do not forsake our friends, but we want to work as far as we are able to is to build and maintain those relationships of trust. So when you think about your own friendships, I, I pray that you are, are not just thinking about friendship, but you're thinking about, about names. You're thinking about the Bill or the John or the Garretts or the, or, 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 or the Grants. You're thinking about people because that's what friendship is. It's not just a, these, these, when you think about those friends that you have, does your relationships have those ingredients of loyalty and trust, empathy, candor, mutual love and affection? I, I would say that there is challenges for friendship as a pastor. This is the next point, number three. The challenges of friendship. There are many challenges. And I would just say this. Satan hates friendship. He hates deep community. He hates friendship because he hates God. And God is a God of friendship. The worldly system, as Ed kind of has, has, has pointed out, it wants to keep us from the things of God. It has set itself up against friendship. If friendship is one of the greatest blessings on earth, that it truly halves our troubles and doubles our joy, then of course this world that is set against God would be set against friendship. And some of the challenges that we have are unique to pastors, while others are just part of a fallen world. Maybe you can relate to some of these challenges, maybe in your own life. Number one, busyness. Busyness. Our fast-paced culture makes it challenging to find time for friends. Now, there's always unique times in every season. When you have young children at home, nap time and early bedtimes are crucial. And when you have teenagers, there's a lot of time spending driving your, chauffeuring your kids back and, back and forth from place to place. As pastors, we are often overlooked as potential friends because of our perceived busyness. Uh, again, Drew Hunter notes this. He says, every time you or I tell a would-be deep friend that life is busy, what we're really saying is that we're too full for friendship. How often have you have said to people, hey, how's your life? I'm, I'm busy. And when you say I'm busy, what you're doing is you're protecting yourself against relationship with the person who's trying to invest in you. Not just busyness, but technology. These are just common in our day. Uh, technology often robs us of deep friendship. Uh, we too often ignore the person right in front of us because of the beeps and the buzzing coming from another phone, uh, the, coming from our phone. The person who's with us right in front of us we can't focus on them because we're focused on who's trying to get our attention. Uh, that's not the way to build deep friendship. We are satisfied maybe with digital communication and rather than fighting for deep communion. But Jesus came in the flesh. He came in a body to be with us. Amen. And too often technology disembodies our communion with others. Uh, we, we know each other less because we can't read their body language. 
uh, even how beautiful it was, those of you who were able to be here on Sunday night, classic Pastor Ed fashion. He says, all right, beloved, we're all going to make a giant circle with one another just so that we can stare at each other while we sing, right? That's beautiful. Why? It's because you're looking at people in the eye. And I just took a time to kind of look at the joy of the room. And what did I, I felt something deeper with those people in the room rather than just looking on a screen. Mobility, number three, affects our friendship. People move away. People we, are, we love that are deeply rooted in our life, they leave us. And sometimes what happens to us is it's hard to maintain uh, or desire to, 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 to build new friendships with new people. Uh, in 2021, our church was, uh, was uh, God was gracious enough to allow us to plant a, a new church in 2021. And we sent out 40 people. And those 40 people that we sent out, um, you know, we, I, I miss them and I love them, right? Here's what people don't tell you when you plan out churches. Planting churches is great, but it tears up the soul of a pastor because you love the people that you're sending out. And um, I remember telling my wife, uh, the next, by the next six months, 40 people came to our church. So the 40 people we sent out, 40 people came back within six months. God was super gracious. And I remember looking at my wife one day, I said, sweetie, I just don't like these people. As, as much as I like the old people, right? And I had that moment is, am I going to invest in these people like I invested in the last? When people leave, that's a choice that we as pastors have to make. I think it's especially true for many of you who are in urban areas where people often are with you for a season. And then when they start having children, they want larger houses. They tend to move to the suburbs and relocate. And that's hard. But I would just encourage you, do not give up investing in those people in in front of you. One of the, the, the challenges of friendship is pride, insecurity, and the fear of man. Pride, insecurity, and the fear of man. We are too often wise in our own eyes. We are afraid of being transparent with our struggles because we are afraid of what others may think of us. We are insecure. We are insecure that where our ministries are at, and we don't want to admit that our church is not as strong as we want it to be. I think this is a, a unique sin or a unique struggle that I think pastors have is our insecurities always on display. We may be trusting more in our, in our effectiveness or the size or the quality of our ministry rather than rejoicing that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We don't want to admit that we actually need others. We are afraid to let people into our soul for it may cost us. I believe, again, this is uniquely true for pastors. We are afraid to be honest with our elders or our church members, thinking of what they may think of us, how it will affect our ability to preach and teach God's word. And I do believe it's best to have your friendships in the covenant community that God has given you, but may it be wise also to have someone who's another pastor in, a, in town so you may feel more freedom to be vulnerable. Another challenge of friendship is that sometimes we're just lazy. We do not make the effort for friends. We'd rather watch Netflix, watch a ball game, or read theology alone. We don't have friends because we don't try to have friends. Next, we, we may just be tired and faint-hearted. You know, some of us may have been hurt by previous friends, some, like you, may have seasons of discouragement and weariness in, in ministry. There are some who have tried to build a friendship with and have been stabbed in the back. 
and use the words that I shared with him against me. We may be in a season where we, we've moved from the we get to do ministry to we have to do ministry. We may need a friend even more. Here's the challenge, my, my, my brothers and sisters, is that if you do not have friends now, if you don't work to cultivate friends before you're tired and weary, when you are tired and weary, when you truly need a friend, they will not be there. And if you are tired and weary, I pray that you would today maybe share that with someone. You know, Garrett Connor, where's Garrett? Garrett Connor's right here. Uh, I met Garrett in 2015, 2014, and uh, I was sitting at, at, at a table, and I was in a bad place. And I had this a countenance of discouragement, and this brother just saw me and goes, that guy needs a friend, right? And he's, made, he's became my friend, right? I don't think that he knew what he was getting into, right? <laughs> he was just really just saying, hey, are you okay? Um, but I haven't left his side, you know? He's been... <laughs> Well, way to go. So if you want to be a friend, right, just confess that. Hey, let's, let's reach out to each other. Maybe you're in a great place. Maybe you should reach out to those who are faint-hearted and tired today. I think one of the reasons why, that I see very often that why pastors don't have friends is that they're self-centered. I think self-centeredness is, a, is a, a plague to pastoral ministry right now. When I meet other pastors and friends, um, they only want to talk about themselves, by God's grace, I have deep fellowship with my elders. Um, I don't often need deep connection with other pastors. So I meet other pastors and I just ask them questions about themselves. I ask lots of questions about their life, their ministry, their, their marriage. And very rarely do they ask about mine. It's almost, it's so rare that when it actually happens, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that they actually want to know about me. Friends, I would encourage you not to be so focused on yourselves. Like Paul said to the Romans, I hope to come to you so we can be mutually encouraged by your faith and, and mine. I think this is a product of our individual age. It's the me first age, and we must work against it. There are a number of challenges to, for pastors to make friends, but in the end, if I'm just honest, they're just excuses. Pastoral ministry is hard. We don't always have to talk about how hard it is. It is hard for every adult man in your congregation probably to make friends. You are not alone. But you need to do the hard and the honest heart work in your own life and ask why you don't have the friendships that you want. Is it because of sin in my life? Is it because of my schedule? Is it because I'm awkward and I'm unaware of how I make people feel? Maybe take the risk and ask your wife why she doesn't think you have friends. Or maybe ask one of your elders or a member of your church why you struggle with friendships. And then ultimately, just, just maybe take some time with the Lord. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal you why you, in particular, struggle with friendships. We are so good at studying the text, and we're so good often to take the word of God and applying it to the hearts of God's people, but so rarely do we take God's word and apply it to our own soul and let God expose us before him. I would challenge you to do it because having friends is a blessing. The, the benefits or the comfort of the friendship for the pastor. The reality is we will not pursue friendships unless we see its value, unless we see it's valuable to us. So what are some of the benefits of friendship? Let me just give you a few. Wisdom. Proverbs 13.20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. If you want to be wise, choose wise friends. 
wisdom helps us in ministry as pastors. When I'm talking to other pastors, even in conversations here, I'm going to learn, hey, how can I raise up better elders? How do I set up policies for our children's ministry, better care for them? Even as what Ed gave, the, the charge he gave us to, to care for our kids and to, to care for our, our, our senior saints. Just want you to know, brother, I heard that sermon, that, that, that charge to care for our kids, uh, and I took it to heart. Almost every Sunday now, I am down on my hands and knees hugging toddlers, right? And there's probably five kids in, in my church who hug me, have to hug me before they leave the church, right? It is the highlight of my Sunday. I could preach an egg for a sermon, right? But I get hugs from kids anyway. They didn't understand it, right? So listen, when we, we were friends with other pastors, it's going to help us become, become wise, it provides practical help for us. Proverbs 15.22, without counsel, plans fail, and with many advisors, they succeed. But even more than wisdom for ministry, it helps make you a wise person. It makes you one who is living for the Lord from the heart. If you want to be wise, choose wise friends. Number two, holiness. Friendship makes you holy. This is God's will for your life, your sanctification. God uses friendship to mold us more into his image. When we pursue Christ, we become more like Christ. When we have friends who are pushing us to be like Christ, we become more like Christ. Our friendship has a direct impact on our holiness. And following evil friends has the the same uh, impact. Bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs 22, make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a, a wrathful man lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Or Proverbs 24, 21 and 22. My son, fear the Lord and the king, and do not join with those who do otherwise, for disaster will arise suddenly from them. And who knows what ruin will come from them both. Very similar to Psalm chapter 1 there. The danger of choosing wrong friends is that you will begin to emulate them and emulate their way of life. Friends have an incredible influence on shaping your moral character. So if you want to become more like God and more holy, more godly, more righteous, be around godly, holy, and righteous people, and that will draw you there. This is one of the reasons why I think God in his kindness has put us in a body of people. When we are struggling with that, we see the saints of God, and we are encouraged to do likewise. Number three, having friends makes you normal. Or a little bit less weird, right? You know, I was thinking about Max earlier uh, today when I was writing this, and uh, I remember this one time I went over to Max's house. Max is, you know, at this point, I think he was 90, 98. And uh, he, I leaned into him. He said, I said Pastor, come here. i got to tell you something. And I'm thinking this is like a very m- serious moment that he's going to impart some wisdom to me. So I lean in, and he goes, tell your wife to do something with your eyebrows. <laughs> They are all over the place. (laughs) Max, help me. To this day, before I leave the house, I kind of take a quick look at those eyebrows, right? Uh, A.C. Grayling says this. I think this is a good quote. He says, if you think of someone who has no friends, you can see what can happen. A human being, like a neglected garden, may become rather overgrown, quite literally dirty and unkept, unsocial, introverted, and after a bit, eccentric or half-mad. Social intercourse keeps people quite literally clean and reasonably polite, sane and functional. 
I think we've seen over the last several years when you take away social interaction, what happens to people, right? It starts to tear apart at the very fabric of who we are. Friends help smooth out the rough edges, but they also help you live with your own oddities, right? You just learn to live with who you are. They help us be comfortable in our own skin. When people love us, when we're weird, it makes us feel okay to be ourselves. Number four, friends keep you going forward. Friends keep you going forward. Friends help you persevere in life and in goals. So many great things have happened in the world because of the encouragement and support of friends. You know, the first four and a half years of, of my ministry would not have happened, would not have been, I would not have been able to continue without the encouragement of friends. You know, our church has helped plant, revitalize churches because of the support and encouragement of my congregation and the elders. Words of encouragement are powerful. I remember being uniquely discouraged in my first season as a, as a college freshman uh, playing football at Penn. Uh, I, was, I was recruited to play tight end, and I was fifth on the depth chart. Um, and our defensive coordinator came up to me, I coach Mike Toop, and he said, Keen, you're doing great work. If they don't use you on offense, I'll take you on my defense. The whole exchange took 30 seconds. But those 30 seconds gave me the resolve to say, okay, I can do this. I can continue to fight and work hard. You know, two years after C.S. Lewis died, Tolkien wrote of Lewis's encouragement. He says, the unpayable debt that I owed to him was not influence as it is ordinarily understood, but sheer encouragement. He was for long my only audience. Only for him did I ever get the idea that my stuff could be made more than a private hobby. But for his interest and unceasing eagerness, for, I, for more I should have never brought forward the Lord of the Rings to a conclusion. We need encouragement to keep going, and that so often comes from friends. And truly, ha- having our uh, friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joy. We were built for community because God is a God of community. Our God always existed for, in perfect community. Father, Son, and Spirit live in perfect community, which is why we are called to live with one another. This is why God said in the garden, it is not good that man should be alone. We have an innate longing to live in community with one another. We have a deep desire to, to live a life together with others. God has given us friends to help us bear with our troubles and rejoice in our successes. You know, after this conference, I am sure I'm going to call my wife and I'm going to say, sweetie, I wish you were here. Why? Because life is always better when it's shared. Friendship has our troubles and doubles our joy. Well, let me just conclude with a, a brief charge. The charge for friendship for the pastor. Do you have friends? Are you a good friend? I pray at least your desire has grown to seeing friends, friendship as a value. You know, we do not want to be only hearers of the word, but doers. So let me give you these free brief charges to encourage you as a pastor in your friendship. Number one, make time for your friends. Make time for your friends. You know, the worst thing about preaching is that so often you preach the word of God and there's no movement and no action. This is why I pray that you would just take one or two things that you heard from myself or the other brothers here today, take one of these things and put it into practice. Friendship needs time if they're going to grow. You need to build your schedule to make time for friends. Invite your friends to do ministry with you. You know, men typically enjoy shoulder-to-shoulder time more than face-to-face. Take a drive together. Do a project together at your house. Go to conference together, maybe like some of you did today. If you have young kids, go to the park together. 
If you're going to watch a game, invite them to watch it with you. Eat together. Eat together. Eat together. It's one of the God's greatest gifts for his people is food to gather around the table. Maybe make a slot of breakfast every other week to, to get together and walk through a book or read scripture. Pick one night a week that either you or your spouse can go have an opportunity to hang out with your friends without any guilt, without any worry or concern. Just say every Thursday night you have the freedom the first week of the month. I have the freedom the, the next week of the month to, to go and meet with a friend. Number two, give your mind to your friends. Not just time, but get your, give your mind to your friends. It is not merely enough to be together. We must take advantage of our time together. Think about questions to ask if you have trouble with that before you gather. Ask about their marriages. Ask about their soul. Ask about what they're reading in the word. You know, I recently was trying to talk to someone that I'm trying to cultivate a friendship with. And I just asked him, how's your soul doing? And he said, you're the only person in my life that asked me that. And I'm not a close friend. It revealed that this brother really needs someone to share life with. Maybe give specific and thoughtful encouragement to someone. You know, one of the ways I have built and maintained friendships over the years is when the Lord brings someone to mind is to send them a quick text or give them a phone call and just, and just let them know how I'm encouraged by their life and by their, by their soul and their ministry. Encouragement is one of the deepest, the most powerful tools to develop deep heart-to-heart connection. And also regular encouragement makes it easier to speak words of um, challenge and correction. And this also just kind of comes with praying for your friends. You know, you, when you pray for your friends, you will desire a deeper relationship with them. Number three, model friendship for your people. Model friendship for your people. Most men in their 40s have very few friends. Most pastors have very few close friends. We cannot be best friends with everyone, but we are called to be examples to the flock. Jesus no longer calls us servants, but he now calls us friends because he shared all the Father gave him. Jesus loved his friends. So, Pastor, take your eyes off yourself, love your people. You need friends, and your people need friends. So be a good friend and model what a good friend is to your congregation. They're watching you all the time. They're watching how you handle the word of God, how you interact with your spouse, how you handle your kids. They're also watching how you handle your friendships. Teach them and model how to be a better friend. Friendship is indeed one of the greatest blessings in all of life. It halves our troubles and doubles our joy. How much stronger would our church be if, if, our, if our church members had deep friendships with one another? And how much stronger would our larger church, the church broadly, be if we cultivated deep friendships with one another? Well, lastly, be a friend with Jesus. Be a friend with Jesus. The greatest friendship in all the world, as I've already said, is that we cultivate a friendship with Jesus Christ. And he wants to be your friend. He wants to share your heart. He wants you to share your heart with him. He wants you to spend time with him. Now just think about this. The creator of the universe, the savior of the world, the only begotten son, the, the advocate before the father, the crucified king and the resurrected Lord wants to be your friend. He wants to spend time with you. This is amazing. This is earth shattering. What a privilege. Do not forsake him. He will not forsake you. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, a friend that loves at all times. He is the one who will make you wise. He is the one who will half your troubles and double your joys. Pastors, you are not alone. Jesus is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The good work that he began in you will carry on to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. He is faithful. He will surely do it. Jesus says, 
You did not choose me, but I chose you. Even when we feel our friends have abandoned us and we feel no one sees, we feel that we are alone, we still have Jesus. And friends, Jesus is enough. Jesus Christ has given us the picture of true friendship. He has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. This is the kind of friend we have in Jesus. This is the kind of friend God is calling us to be. Our friends are God's gift to us. They are tools to help us become wise, to become like Jesus Christ. Our friends have been chosen for us by God. Let me conclude with words of C.S. Lewis who writes, In friendship, being free of all that, we we think we have chosen our, our peers. In reality, a few years difference in the dates of our births, a few more miles between certain houses, the choice of one university instead of another, posting a different regiments, the accident of a topic being raised or not raised at our first meeting, any of these chances might have kept us apart. But for a Christian, there are, strictly speaking, no chances. A secret master of the ceremony has been at work. Christ, who said to his disciples, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can truly say to every group of Christian friends, You have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. The friendship is not a reward for our discrimination and good taste in finding one another out. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each the beauty of all others. There are no greater than the beauties of a thousand other men. By friendship, God opens our eyes to them. They are, like all beauties, derived from him. And then, in a good friendship, increased by him through friendship itself, so that it's instrument for creating as well as for revealing. God has chosen your friends for you. Your friends are a gift to help make you wise. Do not forsake your friend For there is nothing on earth more to be prized than true friendship. Brothers, be a true friend by holding fast to the truest friend, Jesus Christ. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. Jesus has shown us true true friendship. I just pray that you go and do likewise. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. I pray, God, that you would give them true friends that they would have friendships that would have their troubles and double their joys. And we pray, God, that the foundation of all of it would be the true friend, Jesus Christ, who loved us in such a way of laying down his life for us. We pray that we would go and do likewise. It's in the name of our truest friend, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.